Sasswa is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit sasswa.com. This is Saswa, a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings from Southeast Ohio. And tonight we are talking about news media reaction to Bigfoot reports and kind of the effect. I don't even know how to put this into words. This is going to be an interesting episode to title. Um, kind of the effect news media has on popular perception of Bigfoot um, and uh, upright walking hairy hominids around the world and specifically in America. I, I'm not sure because I don't know that I've seen any uh, news reports outside of the states of Bigfoot, but I imagine this subject is treated differently in other areas of the world. Wouldn't you think? Chilling tales of Kentuckiana's monsters, myths, and legends. Tonight, the tour begins again, but this time, our viewers lead us to a few of the spookiest local haunts we missed last time. Wave the News reporter Don G has tonight's tale. The woods of Bedford, Kentucky are filled with countless wonders of nature that will take your breath away. I want to show the world what I've seen. Rodney Adams, member of the Northern Kentucky Bigfoot Research Group, says the small streams and lakes and dense forests of Trimble County are also an ideal home for Bigfoot. Adams knows they are there because he's come face to face with more than one. It had hair all over its body other than the face itself. It looked more human than ape-like. It had a very large, flat nose, a very wide, pronounced nose. There was also a very ominous uh, odor. Uh, kind of smells like rotten garbage and wet dog all kind of mixed together. I would suspect you are you are right mm-hmm. just because of the sensational nature of our current media climate. Right. Um, right. The sort of the kooky angle is definitely what's played up here and mm-hmm. I think it, it would be right to suspect that in other places it's treated in more even terms. As someone who, I actually, this is a fitting day for us to be doing this episode because earlier today I was interviewed for a um, article that will run in the Akron Beacon Journal, which is one of the larger papers in the state of Ohio, about my movie, the Minerva Monster movie. Um, now, actually, Mark, I, I have to tell you about this. This is, uh, this is you're going to love this. So the guy that did the, the article on us, his name is uh, Bob Browning. He's written for the paper forever. Apparently, he was actually out at the Caton's house during the week that everything started. He was friends with Barbara. He was out there one night with uh, with her on the wow. Caton property. Really? But now this, yeah, but this gets way better. This guy <laughs> spent this guy spent a year uh, out in the Pacific Northwest uh, talking to various Bigfoot people. And this was back in the early 70s. And the people he was out in the PNW with would have been, um, he was out there uh, with John Green, Rene DeHinden, 
Peter Byrne, uh, George Haas. Wow. He he interviewed Fred Beck um, of the Ape Canyon, and this is the guy that was interviewing me today. That's <laughs> so who you, you talked to that guy. Wow. Yeah, so we ended up. It almost became like a reverse interview. Like where the three of us were sitting there yeah. interviewing him about about this kind of stuff. And I told right. him, I told him that, uh, you and I want to have him on for an episode of SAS. What? So we can get some information out of this guy. Did he seem, uh, agreeable to that? He seemed, um, like, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, was living the dream, man. Yeah. <laughs> does he, does but he yeah. realize how much, uh, wow. I don't, I don't think he gets it, man. Can you imagine? Probably I mean, not. like the Fred Beck interview and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's gotta be mind blowing, but, um, <laughs> Well, it started out. Tears, probably. <laughs> it started out you know? so simply because he's like telling us how he was in Minerva, and I'm like, "Oh wow, you were in Minerva? That's awesome, you know." And then he's like, "Yeah," mm-hmm. and I spent some time out with like Renee DeHinden at his camp and like all this stuff. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" So anyway, wow. uh, all that is to say, I've dealt with my fair share of media attention in the last month, especially, and have uh, been firsthand acquainted with the typical line of questioning from news personnel uh relating to this subject so that's why i pitched you the idea of doing this episode i was like you Mm -hmm. know what let's just talk about it so typically there is a there's there's really only two types of news stories uh, and when i'm referring to news stories right now I'm, i'm referring to actually like television news televised news they run it two ways they either do the kind of goofy uh, let's kind of poke fun at the people that, you know, let's get the craziest whack jobs you can possibly imagine to talk yes. about Bigfoot and their sightings of Bigfoot. And the other reaction, the other, you know, mode of telling the story is to pump in the X-Files theme and then right. lead into kind of, a, you know, some sort of really spooky music. And it's usually around Halloween and uh you know they'll they'll really kind of make it into a horror movie i mean they they're telling a a scary story about this creature mm-hmm. uh and that's really the only two ways that are that that the that, that that particular story is presented even when something happens like here in ohio uh a year or two ago there was someone found footprints in their field and i can remember every single story that uh, focused on that would still pump in the X-Files theme song. Right. Yeah. That has become the de facto strange soundtrack, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing that is interesting in what you're saying is is it really seems like there's this eye-rolling sort of and really having fun at people's expense, uh, that can be the worst part of that. Have you encountered any of that in your own interviews where people were sort of really kind of poking at you to see um, how, how crazy is this yeah. breed love fellow really? Yeah, I haven't Did you felt, get any of that? I haven't felt like they're directly accusing me of being crazy, but they come at you with this extreme skepticism not everyone that's talked to me, mm-hmm. but extreme skepticism where it's like, do you really believe this is, this is true? Like, do you really mm-hmm. honestly believe the question? I had two interviews in one week where they both asked me, 
uh, directly if I believed Bigfoot was was this up, you know, was out there. Was it was it real? And they ask you it in such a way that it's like, I dare you to say <laughs> to tell me that that it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always say I've never seen one, so I can't tell you if it's definitively real or not. But I think there's enough evidence to warrant looking into it. And that right. sometimes takes them aback because they're just they're looking for me to be like Mister Believer, right? To, sure, of course. To jump out, and, yes, one hundred percent. I I wholly, with all my heart, believe in the Almighty Sasquatch. To me, it's a little piece of Ohio history that's kind of forgotten today. Bigfoot. Okay, we've heard the term Bigfoot for what seems like forever. And does this creature exist? Is there, in fact, a seven-foot-tall creature covered in hair that walks upright like a like a human being? Does this creature exist? And um, I, I know, looking here at this information, Seth, you guys dive into these um, eyewitness accounts and law enforcement interviews to really kind of um, tell us if this is true. Yeah, um, uh, what we wanted to do is make a, a movie that, that actually puts it in the hands of the viewer to decide what they think was seen out there. Um, I can't answer 100% if there's a Bigfoot because I've never seen one. I think the evidence, especially in this particular case, is is uh, prevalent enough to make it worth um, <laughs> And commune with him in the right, woods. Often. Right, and when you don't answer in that in that way, they don't know really how to how to respond and some of that might be the fault of the community you know people within the community because you do have people that are so adamant in their beliefs yeah. uh even if they've had no first-hand encounter with these things that that it probably paints everyone with that brush like they expect everyone to be that adamant about it but um yeah i have been d- directly kind of almost teased about it I, it hasn't been you know because i'm a pretty skeptical guy myself so it's I I don't think I probably get it as bad as some people might, but there is this bent. So the 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 one that I really think of was uh, a few weeks ago. I did an interview for probably one of the larger like talk show stations uh, down in Canton, uh, and the girl. I mean that entire interview, as much as it revolved around the movie, she really wanted to steer it in the direction of Bigfoot. You know, do you really believe there's this Bigfoot and what what seems to blow people's minds is when you're explaining to them that it's not one Bigfoot. It's they because these people all still ask the question: Do you really believe? How does he get around? You know? Yes, exactly, exactly. And when you when you explain, well, you know, I mean, what it what it seems to be is an undiscovered ape species. They almost <laughs> they almost don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. It's like you've just opened their eyes to a whole new world. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, That's so I guess, wild. I know. It's just, it's so unbelievable to me that there's still people out there who think that the whole mythology is built up around one guy named Bigfoot. Sure. Samuel Bigfoot. Right. And strange as it sounds, it's probably due to the fact that the name is uh, singular. Mm-hmm. You know, Bigfoot lends itself to it being one singular creature. And mm-hmm. if they haven't examined it at all, which is probably the case for most people you know even in media Mm -hmm. circles then maybe it does come as a shock that we're not it's not just sort of this old uh reclusive weird hermit guy it's it's something far uh 
more pervasive. Yeah. And, and uh, the other thing that seems to blow their mind is that there's more than just track casts, like evidence of, uh, it's more than just like a big foot track cast. Like that's not the only evidence. Like you talk about things with people who aren't aware of finding Bigfoot. I mean, you got to say that for finding Bigfoot, it at least made people aware of the fact that there's more to it than just track casts. There's other Mm -hmm. possible evidence out there beyond that, you know, whether it's audio recordings or it's rock throws or, I mean, you and I did the episode where we talked about, you know, traits of a Bigfoot sighting. I mean, there's other things that are commonly reported in connection with a Bigfoot sighting beyond just Mm -hmm. people finding tracks. Uh, That also seems to, you know, just fry people's heads when they hear that. Um, yeah. But again, I, it's so interesting because this is, uh, especially right now, this, this topic is so uh, prevalent in, in pop culture, not even just media. It's always going to be featured in stories, new stories, but mm-hmm. in media, um, I guess not everyone watches finding Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to, to point to the importance of the Georgia hoax. Um, and it's the way it was portrayed within the news media. I can remember this story because it was right around the time where I first really got into everything. Um, and I can remember going to church and my friend Don, who recently passed away, um, I went into church and he told me, hey, did you hear that they found a, a dead Bigfoot? I was like, really? And, and you know, I went home and I looked it up. And I remember the first time I saw the picture, I thought there's no way that's real. It didn't look real to me. Right. But the media was so all over it. I mean, every major news station seemed to be running some sort of story about it. So it just, to me, it had to be real, right? Because it's all over TV. <laughs> so when it came out, when it came out that it was fake, that it made me doubt. Uh, it's funny. It had the opposite effect that it probably did for some people where most people turned on Bigfoot as being a possibility. I turned on major news media as ever telling the truth. I was like, okay, well. Obviously, CNN lies to everyone. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. The funniest thing about the whole Georgia hoax thing is the media's insistence on propagating the lie and then their continued refusal to learn from their mistakes. They continue to do stories about Biscardi and Dyer. So what's behind that? <laughs> yeah, which is kind of astounding in this sense. You would imagine, and a lot, there is some reporting that goes this way. You would imagine and assume that all reporting would be debunking, right? right. I mean, that right. you know, and that's sort of what's behind the do you believe in Bigfoot really mm-hmm. type of line of questioning is they're looking for easy ways to debunk or explain away the phenomena but that that's really fascinating what you just said because it is in a strange way that works in almost an opposite sense that it's simply you know uh, couched in terms like allegedly and evidently you know they put this out there and tantalize the public to say it's real he's been found and uh to get into the news cycle you know Pretty much, that's the the bottom line, is to get the story into the news cycle and verifying the facts about it seems secondary at best. 
So I hear what you're saying. You know, it it has a a weird boomerang effect where they're just reporting because let's face it, people are interested in the subject. Sure. It gets attention. Sure. And do they do they have an obligation? Like this is the funny thing. I mean, we almost are broaching other subjects here beyond Bigfoot in, in popular yeah. news media, but is is there almost an expectation that they will just run any story about Bigfoot so we shouldn't take any of them seriously because it is this particular subject? Like again, I know how controversial some of this will seem, but how is running a story on Bigfoot to be taken lighter than a story that they run on a political scandal or something? Like why mm-hmm. do we just expect them to to not do any research <laughs> or right. actual investigative journalism when it comes to a story about Bigfoot. Yeah, I kind of feel exactly that way. That mm-hmm. when when they get a hold of it, I ought, the default setting becomes skepticism. Sure. Um, and I think when those stories are put on televised media there seems to be an assumption that we are running this as sort of a light piece to sort of cut through the other doom and gloom that comes through, um, you know, through all those news cycles. So here's sort of a breather for you, you know. A man says Bigfoot lives on his property, and then you cut to, you know, a stereotypical backwoods sort of person. Sure. And everybody about, can sort uh, of... Laugh talking about, condescendingly. Talking about uh, Bigfoot's beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I, yeah, it, it is. And I don't know, maybe is that uh, unique to, to TV news? Because I, there's a couple examples that I could give of print reporting that does take the whole subject fairly seriously. And one that in particular I'm thinking of is uh, Huffington Post, Lee Spiegel. Made its home mm-hmm. in Hillsborough County. I looked at this picture and I went, hmm. Lee Spiegel with the Huffington Post says it's a possibility. From the very beginning, he has not given the impression that he's looking for any kind of publicity. A local fisherman, John Rodriguez, emailed Spiegel these pictures and his story. I don't think at this point that the guy is lying. And Bigfoot stories aren't just shared along the river, they're also shared here at Bigfoot on the river. I heard that it's because this is where they found Who's done a lot of writing on uh, the DNA reports in particular, but does not shy away from Bigfoot reports and presents them without any of sort of the uh, elbow in the ribs, get a load of this type of attitude, and, and is taking it fairly skeptically but open-mindedly as well and and so i have to say that among all of the static and all the voices out there there are some fairly well-known media writers at least who are willing to give the topic a fair shake as as someone who's done a, a lot of research into newspaper articles about this subject and who has written uh newspaper articles you know myself um to me it does seem like there is a a more uh open approach to the subject taken by some obviously it's not all there's always going to be the kind of poking fun at the subject 
kind of story that runs in the newspaper. But I've definitely noticed less of a um, jump to that kind of story, the sensationalized or silly story. I, I'm not saying that they're not out there because I do have, I mean, on, on my own files here, I've got stories, a lot of them from the 1970s that are poking fun at the subject and talking about, you know, like the, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of here that's out of Canada, BC, Canada, somewhere, um, where the writer made fun of a trapper. I mean, he basically wrote this whole fake story about how this trapper's wife was kidnapped by a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch. And it was all to illustrate uh, something to do with how drunk um, trappers would recount stories. Um, mm. And the whole thing, and, and that's just something that, you know, jumps to mind. But I do feel like there's a less of a sensationalized take on on this sort of story in news in newspaper media. I don't know if that is because I imagine there's probably more newspaper journalists than there are television journalists. Just hmm. just sheer numbers. I would think it's more more in favor of newspapers, at least not maybe not today, but at least, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I would think that was the case. I don't know if that's true. There's, n- I have no data to b- <laughs> to back that yeah. up. But why do you think that is? Is it just the nature of the media itself? I, I think mean, it's specifically. Less, I mean the the nature of print versus there are the there, TV. There has to be more newspapers than there are television stations out there. And in terms of how many, you know, a newspaper puts how many stories in a newspaper i mean there's probably Mm -hmm. 60 70 stories in a small paper as opposed to uh television station that runs you know what three news uh three news cycles per day you know hour-long news cycles um i don't know there's nothing to again like i'm i'm not backing that up with any data I'm just estimating, guesstimating in my head that there's probably more newspaper journalists, or at least there were. Um, we're a dying breed, so. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very interesting that there's this, I mean, if you think about it, the subject isn't necessarily just this mockery. I mean, it's a very, if you take even a minute to look into it beyond Without just turning on your skepticals and approaching everything like it's all a joke, and you look into the the sheer amount of reports and the uh, evidence that is out there, you know, like it's it, it should be taken seriously by someone in in major news, you know, television news media. You'd think someone would say, "Well, this there's a subject here that could be." I mean, if it were proven to be a fact. Um, it's going to be the one of the biggest stories in history. <laughs> so yeah, doesn't it sure. doesn't it beg at least a little bit of seriousness? Or, or I mean, I do remember the the Georgia hoax was taken seriously. So did the Georgia hoax shoot the whole subject in the foot? Mm-hmm. Wrong. The Sasquatch has been found dead. Yep. Take a look at this. The Sasquatch on ice in the ice box. Hold on. Wait for it. it's coming. That's according to one California man. Tom Biscardi, known as the Bigfoot Hunter, claiming, look at this, here it is, that he has found the body that will confirm with scientific proof that Bigfoot does exist. And Tom joins me now. Hi, Tom. 
Good morning. All right, so this is an unbelievable picture here. In more ways than one, some would argue. You know you're going to get some guff for this. What is this thing? Oh, Where'd you find it? Okay. Just got back from Georgia, uh, where two guys... Well, that's a good question, and I think that a parallel to that would be the death of Ray Wallace and how all over news media, you know, the headline was what? Bigfoot is dead. And in that case as well, there in most of the stories that I recall reading, there was sort of a definitive word being handed down through these stories that Ray Wallace was Bigfoot. Ray Wallace has passed away. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the Bigfoot, you know, the origin and the source of all those stories is dead and gone, and we can bury the story. And that really was the the flavor of the reporting that came out at that time. So, I mean, al along with the uh, the Georgia, I, there just seems to be the default seems to go in the the direction of debunking, mm -hmm. and you know, kind of a, an interesting case study about that goes back to Yeti, actually. You know, in the famous scalps that you see pictures of in just about every Bigfoot book uh, that's that's been out there. You know, it, it's been uncovered over time that the uh, monks that are caretakers of those have never, ever claimed that that's a real Yeti scalp. Hmm. They, they've said that they were handmade to represent the shape of a Yeti scalp, but no one ever made the claim that this is the actual top part of a Yeti's head. Um, however, that story sort of passed into the mythos and was reported as fact so that much later on, some news media got a hold of that and said, well, see, the the Yeti scalps are fake, therefore Yeti is fake. But they didn't dig deep enough to say, you know, to learn that the claim was never made in the first place, that they were authentic Yeti scalps. Right. But I think that just speaks to, by and large, sort of the superficial treatment that the subject receives. It, I mean, it really does make me wonder, though, if television journalism in general is just, and I hear this all the time, but is it just categorically nonsense? Did they not follow up on anything? Is it all geared toward ratings? I mean... And these are, again, like these are questions that I've heard like my parents talk about since I was a kid. But sure. it's it's funny that it, a subject like Bigfoot actually opens the door, to me anyway, to thinking about that. Like, does there is there just a lack of integrity and actual standards in television journalism that that apparently is at least somewhat prevalent in other areas of journalism? I can only speak for myself. But I can tell you that I cannot recall the last time I watched the evening news. Yeah. I, I don't get my news from TV reporting. Mm -hmm. I go to other sources for that. And I guess that says it all, at least for me personally, that I don't put a whole lot of stock in what I see uh, uh, either, you know, uh, local level, I mean, that's a little bit different. You, 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 that opens the door for a whole other discussion we won't go through. <laughs> but 
for at least for me, I've come to a point where I'm not depending on news reporting to tell me what's real or what's actually happening, especially on the world stage. Mm-hmm. I, so I, w- I guess, you know, the, in the questions that you asked, at least you know, if they were rhetorical or not, I would have to say um, if it bleeds, it leads. And it ratings absolutely drives what we see being covered and how it's covered. So I think the the real lesson is um, don't pay any attention to Bigfoot stories on television news. And for that matter, don't pay any attention to television news. (laughs) I don't know. Is that subversive? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's subversive at all. Good. (laughs) Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. (laughs) 